Hey everybody, welcome to the next cast. I'm your host, Matt. God. <laughs> it's your turn. It's your turn. You said, you, you said me, Steve, Josh, then Tyler. Okay, uh, my name is somebody. I'm Josh. And I'm Tyler. Uh, <laughs> you guys thought last week was bad. This is going to be worse. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna put record that? Don't worry. Don't worry, people in the chat. We're going to put a smile the size of Kilimanjaro on, uh, on Matt's face. No. This has been a shit day. And, and you guys ain't making it better. <laughs> are you sure? Because there are, we, we have three different articles concerning Red Hat. I know. Because last week went out went so well, um, but it's the news of the week. Anyways, welcome to the Linux Cast. Such as the beginning, probably told you that it was you know because it's the most unprofessional podcast in the history of the world. Um, probably true, actually. Now that I'm thinking of it, um, welcome guys. I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad to see your pretty faces. We're, we're here. We're going to talk about some Linuxy things. We got some news to talk about. But before we do, as we always do. We're going to talk about what we did this week in the open source FOSS Linux world thing, community, whatever. So, Tyler, why don't you start us off? What have you been doing this week? Uh, suffering, uh, suffering just endlessly. Uh, I'm having weird crashing with zero AD. Talk about it in the pre-show, but, you know, um... The one glorious thing I have and I need, I need zero AD. Uh, speaking of which, we'll be playing it later on. Okay. All right. So if you want to come play zero AD, it's going to be on my discord server. There's going to be a lot of us anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm um, having issues with it crashing on DWM XORG. Um, the only thing I will say though, is I really do hate the fact that Pipewire's echo cancellation module is a, uh, but compared to Pulse Audio's, Pulse Audio's echo cancellation actually removes all of the audio. It it works just fine. Pipewire's does not. You still get a little bit in there. It's really annoying. Uh, and I I think I'm gonna have to go back to Pipewire and uh, in my beautiful beautiful Hyperland here soon. <laughs> I miss it. I miss it so much. It's so good. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. All right, Steve, what about you, man? I've been up to uh, my uh, belly button in Linux. Uh, I need to take a break. Uh, I discovered that I have a new sickness called uh, bash scripting. Um, I keep modifying my bash scripts and adding more and more and more and more. Uh, please help. Please help. Send help. Just uh, know you're not alone. This disease affects many many people out there it's, it's okay so much fun it's so much fun uh, i open i come up with an idea i find somebody who did something close to that idea take their bash script modify it to work for me because i can't write anything from scratch uh so i've been doing that and i uh finished uh doing all the tweaks for august release on zero linux and i was trying and attempting as hard as I can as much as this body is able to deal with Wayland uh, on KDE but for some reason Plasma Shell keeps crashing Plasma Shell keeps crashing Plasma Shell keeps crashing so I'm like 
And once it crashes, I cannot go to the TTY. I cannot do anything. I have to reboot, hard reboot the computer. So. That doesn't sound like anything to do with Wayland. If you can't go to the TTY, then because Wayland would no longer be running once the. No, it just it, it just gives me this black screen with the whenever I move the cursor, there's a million cursors, uh, and no matter what I click, I cannot go to the TTY. But I can bring up the uh, the terminal, Control Alt T. I'll see the terminal. I can type up type update, upgrade, whatever. So I type reboot, and it reboots the system. But I cannot do anything else. Uh, so I've been dealing with that, and uh, I've been working on the website. And uh, other than the that in the Linux world, what was it? Oh yeah, I'm working on a new application. Uh, Slowly, it will take me maybe 55 years to, to finish, but slowly getting there. It's an application that will be uh, upgrading. It's an upgrade application for Zero Linux in case, and only in case there are major changes to, to the release. People can use this upgrade application to switch from one major release to the next without having to reinstall the system. That idea I stole from, uh, <clears throat> uh, what's it called? Uh, the, 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 the white Zorin Zorin, yeah Extra surprised that that news didn't make into the list today I'm not a Zorin yeah. user so I don't care <laughs> Yeah, same, I saw the news <laughs> Anybody actually know a Zorin user? I used to use Zorin I installed it on one of my aunt's computers like six years ago no, I, I used Zorin OS. Uh, the last one I installed was 15, 15.2 uh, Pro. Uh, because, yeah, why not donate a few bucks at once? Uh, but I got it and didn't like it. Too heavy. <laughs> Too white. Uh, my, <laughs> eyes were, my, eye, my eyes dropped out of my sockets, but yeah. <laughs> Probably for yeah, the dark light theme is pretty bright. I mean, I, I could say that Zero Linux is a little bit too purple. Well, I agree with that. That's why it'll be changing. That's why it'll be changing. Magenta. <laughs> we're working on it. We're, we're, we're working on it. All right. Uh, Josh, your, what did you do this week? Uh, what did I do this week? Other than, you know, back to hacking on sailboats, uh, I actually uploaded a full video for last Thursday. And I uploaded it on on the Sunday prior to, to like, all this stuff. Uh, this video was about 20 minutes long, like all my other videos. I had three different camera positions. had, like, the most advanced audio track that I've ever actually sat there sat there and took uh, three and a half hours to edit. It was real fancy. It was all well done, and it was all done using a Red Hat server. And then Red Hat made their announcement, so I just decided not to publish the video, because it's just like, if I publish the video, what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen? You're a Red Hat shill, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I I jumped all my servers to Debian because apparently that's a cool kid now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I I've been uh, I've been uh, working on uh, figuring out like how I want to how how if I even want to bother refilming this episode or if I just want to push it as it is. I might just I say, push it as it is because I'm lazy. <laughs> I say you push it as is. That's, that's gonna be nice. Um, well, and then Debian, do yourself a favor and don't read those comments. Just don't. And Debian, Debian and Nala equals marriage made in heaven. I am not using Nala. 
I am. I don't even know what knowledge I will, is. Being I will never use knowledge because I don't see the point in it. Apt works perfectly fine. Lame. Looks what good. Is, what, what is knowledge? It's a front end it, for a, app. Apt. Yeah. Oh, okay. It makes apt look like a DNF, basically. Mm, it looks better than DNF, but it doesn't matter. All right. Um. So me, personally, I have many things I could possibly talk about, but I think I will say this. I have... So... I, I'm still using Debian. He has had problems. He has had problems. No, I haven't had any problems in the whole week. It's been great. Um, so don't don't put words in my mouth there. I, I, Debian has been fantastic. I did have the initial problems that I talked about last week of installing Qtile on Debian. Never did get that figured out. But I did manage to use Nix to install it, and that was phenomenal. It, that first initial experience with the Nix package manager just blows your mind because it's just like, oh my god, I have access to basically the AUR on any distro. But mm -hmm. after using it for a few days, it's not quite as good as it makes it seem to be because it, there's some weird quirks. I'm not sure if I'm doing anything wrong, but it, it, some. so if you install two applications that are supposed to like talk to each other, like Qtile and Qtile Extras, they don't actually talk to each other because like, they're containerized, right? So they don't... Why Qtile Extras even exists in the, the repository, I don't know. It just doesn't work. There's a few other ones that feel like they're having like the, a path problem, like their path isn't in the right place. So it just says program not found, even though you can launch the binary of it. So I, I've been having that problem with Nix. But other than that, I mean, every once in a while, you'll get a situation where you install something from there. It's just like, wow, that's really, really cool. And, and sometimes you install something like, yeah, that, like, for example, I tried to install Vivaldi from the the Nix package manager didn't work um and it has the like the ffmpeg codex or whatever the chip install alongside it even though i installed that package it still wouldn't recognize that they were installed because they're in their own place apparently so that didn't work i ended up having to, to get the dev package of vivaldi in order to work um when i was still using firefox uh, and, and Josh was helping me with this. <laughs> it, it was nothing he could help me with because apparently the Pywolf Fox has something to do with the whole uh, PIP virtual environment thing. That's the reason why that wasn't working. But I thought it was because of oh. uh, Firefox ESR. I figured the, the Firefox was too old. So Josh says, well, oh, why you had the uh, you had the pip uh, uh, block of text telling you 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 have to to, to install in a, a virtual environment. Yeah, so you use pipx, right? And you, yeah. you're not supposed to remove the file that blocks pip. So I was trying to be a good boy and not do it, and I did. Uh, I just installed Nix instead. Um, but <laughs> installing Firefox from Nix also is wonky as fuck. You know, it's just it's just not just it doesn't quite work. The I mean, there's just a few things that just don't really work well when you install something from Nix. Uh, it's possible that I'm doing things wrong. So I'm, No, I'm you're, not, you're not. Because I, I, I did try in the Nix package manager when Titus Stack kept I don't know, simping over uh, multiple times. Uh, so I gave it a try. I installed Telegram and Telegram wouldn't launch. It would complain about missing icons or fonts. I know Telegram sometimes keeps complaining about fonts. Uh, this time around, it was complaining about some missing icon, and I made sure the icon was there. It just wouldn't see it. Uh, I installed uh, multiple things, and I was having weird issues with some stuff. And it's like it grabs from source, puts in random places, and 
not everything works with software in random places. Well, it creates its own uh, path and puts that path in your... And you know, everything in, is in the home directory. Well, I don't mind everything. I, I, a lot of developers do that. It's really weird. My thing, what I'm thinking is going on is that they like they create their own path and put that in the the your path variable, but they don't store everything in the pla place where you download it. Right. So the the binaries that you need to launch aren't actually in the right place, and the whole containerization part of it means that things aren't talking to each other. It's a little weird. I think as Darth Vader says in the chat, they Nick need, is they not need great. something like Flat Seal. They need something like Flat Seal for Nix. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, that's what I, that's one of the things that I've been doing this week. I am happy that I tried Nix because it did get Qtel up and running on my system, which is just made me so very very happy. <laughs> I, I was not. I was doing okay in Plasma. You know, it, it wasn't as buggy as it normally is. Um, I, I still had the problem where I had to kill K screen in order for the screens to turn off, which is still the stupidest bug ever. Um, which, oddly enough, does not work in Wayland. Like, Wayland is supposed to be the savior of that problem. Um, but it still happens on, on Wayland, and the solution that works on Xorg does not work in Wayland, so I ended up using Xorg. So I'm just glad to be back in Qtel. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Overall, Debian, I'm pretty happy with the way Debian's treating me right now. Um, whether or not that will last, well, I, I don't know. We'll see. I have it in a VM. I have it in a VM, and I'm doing a lot of stuff in there. A lot of stuff that might break any other distro, but damn, Debian is solid like a rock. Uh, I don't know when we'll do a NixOS distro challenge. We're doing cubes next. Are we? Yeah. Oh, uh, I still have it on my laptop, so I guess I'm already partaking in it. Uh, that, that episode will be in the beginning of August. So, yeah. Oh, Look okay. forward to that. We've got a little bit of time. Anyway, so okay. that is... I've already won. It's, sure. it's not a... You're <laughs> not winning anything. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that is what we've done this week in open source. Let's go ahead and start talking with the news. Let me see if I can't get this thing up here. i got to go to the, v the proper VM in order to do this. All right. So why don't we go to Tyler? You first. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll start off with my Apple Studio display news. Uh, so for all of you out there, because I know there's tons of you with this, uh, you know, like $5,000 fucking screen. So uh, if you have this screen, you're like, dude, I would really like to use this on Linux. Well, guess what? Now you they can. finally have it to where you can control the display, like at, at least the brightness. I highly doubt you're able to control anything else about the display, but you can now actually control the backlight of your super expensive, extremely decadent monitor on Linux with the USB controls. You're welcome. And this is going in the kernel. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that this thing didn't have an actual display connection. It was just USB. What? USB Type C. Yeah. C, yeah. Oh, Apple's not going to put a HDMI thing on anything that they have to. I mean, they have a like a, a I, port I on their thing, I but know. not on their display. Um, also, there has to be somebody that used this because there's somebody that created it. So there's there's at least one person out and, there that does this. Yeah, this, th really this was weird. an independent developer. This was not a guy that was doing it for a company or anything. He was just like, yeah, you know, I fixed it. I fixed the display on my part. Uh, here's the patch for for it out in the kernel. Well, like, I would oh, have ex cool. I would have expected it from like the Asahi guys or whatever the hell it's called. The uh, the one that's trying to get Linux Asahi, to work yeah. on on. Um, 
DM series or whatever. But this is just mm -hmm. some dude who happens to use a really expensive monitor. Um, uh, looks looks like that this builds a DKMS module because he can't seem to get it working in the kernel. So if you so uh, there's a link in the Pharonix article, Matt, if you could post that for us. And uh, if any of you knows knows a little bit about kernel development, you you should see if you can hop into the mailing list there and see if uh, you can help uh, help this guy get this included in the kernel itself because uh, that's the only thing that's stopping it right now is that it's being shipped as a DKMS module. I can't actually paste that link because I'm not I'm in a VM <laughs> and cross oh, of, cross clipboard is not working. Of course, um, and uh, you know I don't have mod privileges wait, in the YouTube wait, wait, channel. Wait, 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 wait. Matt, Matt, Matt. The solution to that just type in terminal spice dash vd agent and copy paste. I have it installed. It still is not working. No, um, you have it installed, yes, but you have to run it from terminal before you copy-paste from host. Uh, the, the I will start messing around with that after the podcast. You have to launch it. It's a. It's not a daemon or anything or a service. It's just you have to run it prior to do it. Only on KDE and some other desktop environments. On GNOME and XFC, it just works. All right, let me see if I can find Josh's account to give him moderator. I was going to do it, then Tyler timed him out. <laughs> yep. There you go. I just posted in chat for you. All right. Now we've had that distraction. <laughs> All right. I got to go, go, go to the right. The right thing here. Okay. There we go. There we go. Honestly, on this whole Apple, I'm surprised that anybody actually ever bought, bought that monitor, but apparently it's because I mean, I mean, the, the reviews are not good of it. But then they, re oh. they they review it from a, like a, a regular consumer point of view, and it's like for people who are, you know, color correcting and stuff like that. Speaking, yeah. Is, speaking of Apple, in today's Star Trek episode, the the Captain James T. Kirk he says, "I was just uh, at the Apple store where they were teaching me how to use DuckDuckGo." Mm. <laughs> I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> that that <laughs> sentence doesn't work. Is this fan fiction sentence? or? <laughs> it's like. It's Star Trek. It's it's like a it's a it's a fictional TV show about space. But since they they landed in the twenty first century, because it happens in the twenty second twenty third century, uh, they landed in the twenty first century where he didn't know what to, what excuse to come up with. He was like, I was at the Apple Store where they were showing me how to use DuckDuckGo. I'm like, well, who wrote this episode? There's tangent know? number one. All right. To be fair, to be fair, I've had to teach my grandma. How to use something other than Google. Okay. And the only well, reason she knew how to use Google is because, you know, when she opened up her Firefox window, where did it go? Google.com. <laughs> All right, Josh, okay. your first one. Oh, my first one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'll go ahead and get started on this here. OpenSUSE respond, responded to Red Hat. And, uh, you know, OpenSUSE is just like, yeah, our code is still open source. You can find it over here. It's pretty cool. Uh, Red Hat, we don't we don't appreciate you doing this to us. So as usual, as usual, OpenSUSE is being the good guy we obviously don't deserve because they're a big corporate distro. <laughs> if if only it would work. That would be great. If only. Uh yeah. that that said, uh the the OpenSUSE guys are they're they're always it's not a distro that I'm. I actually use myself for many of the same reasons why I don't use Arch Linux, except that OpenSUSE is a little bit more reliable for their package manager. It's just everything else about the distro. Uh, but you know, uh, it it's just one of those distros that I think 
OpenSUSE is going to see like a greater market share in response to all this Red Hat stuff. It's it's either going to be OpenSUSE or Ubuntu. But Ubuntu is also doing things that are getting like system administrators really mad at them. So realistically, of the enterprise space, it's either going to be then Debian or OpenSUSE. And there's a very valid reason to have that 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 uh, support contract. Yeah, well, yeah. I think that for for enterprises, OpenSUSE is going to be a good alternative for a lot of people. And from just to kind of go on to tangent number two, just to see if we can't meet Steve's prediction. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not really a tangent. But it, it, so you guys know I was having those problems with OpenSUSE. I figured out what I did wrong. Um, it's not going to make me switch back to OpenSUSE, but now that I know what I did wrong, I can avoid it. So OpenSUSE comes with a specialized version of Flatpak, pre-installed, okay? Oh. But if you don't know that and you try to install Flatpak on your own, it will actually remove that specialized version of Flatpak and install the one you're trying to install. That's what I did that caused all of those path problems and authentication problems, okay? So I installed just the flat bare bones version of Flatpak and that was causing the issues. It, it removed some kind of dependency when I did that and that's what caused the issues. Um, I didn't- Well, I should correct myself. It was SUSE that was saying, well, it's not OpenSUSE, which, you know, they're basically the same thing. Thank you, phone. I appreciate that. Um, anyways, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so. That's why I figured out. So, Red Hat thing is still going on, by the way, and we still have some more news to go about that later on in the show. Just want to uh, just want to get it all out of the way right away. Uh, sure, I'll go next and do. Or actually, Steve, you have one of the OpenSUSE one, right? I have one. No, uh, Rocky Linux. Rocky Linux. That's yours, right? I, yeah. I. Oh, okay. Why don't you go next and do the Rocky Linux one? All right. So uh, the Rocky Linux shares how they may continue to obtain the RHEL source code. Uh, gist of it is uh, they're going to be uh, using uh, two methods. They're looking into two methods, not, on, uh, not only one. And one of these uh, me uh, methods is uh, pay for something. I forgot the name of it. Uh, pay for use cloud images. Yeah, pay, uh, pay per use cloud images, and the other one is to have including Docker Hub. <laughs> okay, uh, usage of UBI container images, which are based on the RHEL and available from multiple online sources, including the Docker Hub. Using UBI images is easy, uh, is easily uh, obtainable, basically from Red Hat sources. This is the second method uh, that they, they want to use. And they've uh, tried so it, they, and it seems to work fine. So yeah. they can do that. They, uh, they, they can do that, uh, but I'm, I'm not... If they, I prefer if they use the UBI method, because paper use uh, is going to be a little bit difficult, because it's not really solving the problem. Uh, it's just uh, doing a different version of the same problem. Oh, uh, but other than that, it's uh, uh, it's just the, the, what they're saying is basically there is light at the end of the tunnel. Don't worry. Well, my worry, and this was my worry last week, was that, yes, they found a way around it, but how long until Red Hat decides they're going to close those down? That's right? what I wanted to tackle. So yeah. they, seem to, they seem to be very interested in killing off the... Uh, Problem clones. around the whole, the whole Red Hat thing is they will not budge. 
and it's affecting uh, it's it's starting to ripple uh negatively neg it's causing negative ripples uh in the linux uh realm uh, and that's not good for open source because there are bound to be uh, other open source projects that use this excuse to start making money when they don't really need it just use it as, as an excuse to just ask for money so basically well, I, mean, uh, I think i think all of these these projects especially at this scale need money so, so like, they're going to what i'm saying is so, they're going to use that as an excuse i i i'm probably going to make somebody really mad at you matt by the way just letting you just before I say this, but why would I get in trouble for something you're saying? Because it, it's your channel. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, I am firmly in Red Hat on Red Hat side here, because honestly, I I've I decided I was going to start perusing through all the Git logs. I don't see anybody from Alma or Rocky Linux in those Git logs that, that were that were for commits being pushed upstream to Red Hat. They're they're working entirely downstream. They're not pushing anything up towards CentOS stream, which not not only benefits Red Hat, but also would would by benefit also Rocky Linux and Alma Linux. So they're not contributing. And then for the kicker to further insult Red Hat, because Red Hat is spending lots of money on, de on developing Red Hat, of which they are working upstream with, with the Fedora team as well as other distributions to, to make sure that hardware works, make sure that, you know, your desktop environment works. It's mostly known, but that's beyond the point. That's a further point, but at, at this, if uh, they're adding insult here because the founder of Rocky Linux owns a second company too that sells support for Rocky Linux at a cheaper rate than what Red Hat supports Red Hat. So now Rocky Linux is not only competing for like distro usage, but directly in the same market that Red Hat is competing in while giving nothing back to Red Hat <coughs> and while Red Hat is doing all the work for Rocky Linux. The only thing that Rocky Linux is doing is just Having somebody making sure that a package builds correctly and serving up, serving it up on a content delivery network. It's the same exact thing that Alma Linux is doing. Yeah, I mean, I think we had this whole conversation in the last podcast, but literally all they're doing is making it so it's much more difficult to get around their actual, like, their so own contract. So basically what you're saying, Josh, is if uh, Rocky Linux and Alma Linux continue on the path they're going, they're basically pirating. They are basically pirating. Well, pirating Red Hat code. it's not even really a discussion. They're, 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 they're not necessarily pirating like money. They're pirating effort. And, yeah, uh, that's what I meant. and honestly, like if I was sitting there and I was working on a project, then somebody else took what took my work and just started distributing it on their own own terms, and then they started selling support for for that, I would feel a little cheated too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would we, honestly feel cheated. We all look. I think everyone understands the whole idea of Rocky or Alma is to undercut Rel. Like that's really the whole idea about it. Is you you get out you you get more support with those distributions without paying anything 
They're, 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 they're basically, they're basically oh, no, oh, okay. No, no. Oh, all right. <laughs> I cannot Reach. believe I'm the only one on the other side of this argument again. Okay, Matt. Well, let's let's hear. It. No, no. Okay, I'm not even gonna bother because last week I just got shouted down. Anyway, so it doesn't even matter. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe <laughs> that. Okay, so I, I, the 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 contribution thing does bother me, Josh. If that's true, and, and I trust you. If that's true, that does bother me, okay? That's definitely wrong. But, okay, and here's the thing is, the nature of the GPL does not require contribution as long as they're not making any changes to it, okay? Anybody can repackage anything that they want and repackage. That's the GPL. That's what they do. And after learning more about it after last week's episode, because I'm 100% I'm, I'm convinced that the only thing that is true in this entire situation is that no one, absolutely no one, not even people from Red Hat, apparently, know exactly what's going on. Every single person that I've talked to, whether it's on Mastodon or on Discord or different places, they all have a slightly different angle to exactly what's going on, and no one knows exactly the precise reason why Red Hat is doing this, the, the effects that it's having on the 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 bug for bug clones or whatever you know all this stuff nobody knows what's that exactly going on my entire point about all of this is that you have red hat has never made a single cent on their actual distribution never because they've never charged for it okay they do not make money on the distro they don't make money on the sources they don't make money on any of that stuff all of their money, every single dime that they make comes from support, okay? Just like Canonical, just like Sousa, okay? Sousa doesn't charge for their sources or any of that stuff. They never have. That's just not the way they've ever done it, okay? It's just, that's the app. That's, if we can agree on anything, we can agree on that. They make money from the support. And that's where Red Hat is coming from, is that they, they think that the Alma and Rocky thing is taking away people who would pay for otherwise pay for support and if if the rocky guy is subcharging for support then that is wrong okay i don't think that that's something that he should do but the original idea behind those distros was similar to the same the CentOS was and at one point red hat liked CentOS because it brought in more rel customers that was the whole idea behind it. it was for people who wanted to use it but didn't need the support they had one computer or whatever now we can talk about whether or not it's being abused and it probably definitely absolutely is um, but the intentions there i think were fine now whether or not it's gone too far we can argue about that i don't i don't know that i've come down on this thing on kind of both sides at one point over the course of the last week because i can see both sides you know Red Hat has the 100% right to do this. And I think the one thing that we can all agree on, whether you talk about you know, whether this is right or not, is that Red Hat has done an absolutely abhorrent job of talking about this in the community. Like, absolutely. I mean, I mean they've riled up people who, who've never even tried RHEL in the, at all. They don't even know what RHEL is. They thought it was called Red Hat. You know, they've managed to fire up the entire Linux community because they've done such a poor job of communicating what they're doing, right? If they just... Also, let me tell you this, companies. When you make a mistake like this and you are... All right, let me rephrase it. When you do something like this, like controversial like this, that you know it's going to piss people off, don't come back a week later with another blog post. Just do it. Just 
do your thing. It's going to be controversial. People are going to be pissed off at you for a little while. Eventually, it's going to people. I mean, people move on from everything, right? You know, school shootings, everything. Eventually, you know, people just move on. They forget about it. They move on to the next topic. I seriously just compared the Red Hat thing to school shootings. Don't. I just not <laughs> comparable. Don't at me. I understand. I, you guys understand. You guys get the understand. You understand the point is that humanity moves on from things fast. The only, the worst thing you can do is bring it back up and that's what red has done they continually to bring it back up and it's just going to continue to stay in the mindset of people who don't really care about it until they just stop talking and yeah because the more they talk about it uh, the, with the with the second blog post they shot themselves in the foot the first time they shot the other foot yeah they did take they did it again you're not good at communicating just stop talking people will stop paying attention to it and then move on now not everybody. I'm mean, people who use Rel and people who use Rocky and Elmo. Those people will still care, but the general community will just even, move on. Even uh, even Alma and Rocky Linux took it the ba uh, the wrong way. Uh, I mean, to be fair, this is one hundred percent the as far I I actually have direct contacts with Red Hat employees. Like I am a I am a paying Red Hat Red Hat subscriber. Uh, like I have I have pay for licenses with them. I've spoke with the sales rep. I've spoken with the support staff. Ever. Everybody that I've spoken to says that this is not an IBM initiative whatsoever, like what you're seeing being claimed in the chat. That is not the case. But uh, this this is 100% the exact same issue as to why Red Hat actually stopped producing CentOS two years ago. You remember that story? It's the exact same reason. Because people were using CentOS and they weren't contributing. So it's just like if they're, if they're not contributing... And honestly, all... Red Hat was putting extra effort into maintaining the into maintaining the Git to into uh, maintaining the Red Hat source code in the in that Git repository. They were putting extra effort into that to remove all of the Red Hat branding from the source code. I don't know so, how pissing off the community though makes people more interested in contributing to CentOS Steam or Stream. Uh, like if you lose your whether or not you well, agree or disagree with them, you you there's still a trust component to everything that Red Hat does, and if you if you if you whether you agree or disagree with them, you can't deny that this has caused a kerfuffle in the the Linux community, and they continue and it's not like every Linux corporation does this, right? They they from time to time like. A few years ago, Ubuntu decided they were going to remove the 32-bit libraries, right? Pissed everybody off, right? They've done it multiple times, but the problem is is that when you do it over and over again, whether you have people on your side or not, you're going to cause a... You harm your reputation. I don't think that doing that constantly is going to solve the contribution problem that you were aiming to have. But maybe they don't care, Right. I don't think it's just about the contribution. I think it's the fact that their business model relies on on people actually like when when people need support paying for it. And right now a lot a lot of the community that would be using Red Hat is using something like Rocky or or you know CentOS getting support. I mean, you know, then other I, then I, I would that's, ask that's, the question. I would ask the question then how does putting it behind their account login bring in more customers? 
Because if this actually pissed those people off, the people who were using Alma and Rocky or whatever, it actually drove people away from them, let's just say those projects went away. How many of those people that left Rocky and Alma would actually just say, screw it, I'm just going to go pay whatever the fee is for Rel? Maybe well, I, some. This but, is something that I actually asked the sales representative. They, they said, well, they, they can either uh, continue to use Rock, Rocky or Alma Linux because it seems like those projects are still, are still going to figure out a way to, way to work. Or uh, they they can switch up to CentOS Stream, or they can switch to Red Hat proper. Lighted, lighted. Uh, the Red Hat does offer free tiers that are not just the development that are not just the developer tier. Like if you're if you're an open source organization and you're producing open source code, Red Hat will literally give you a free subscription. All you have to do is just call, and they'll give it to you. And and uh, that Red Hat support contract doesn't cover just Red Hat, because uh, you know. I'm famous as a Gen 2 user, right? That Red Hat support r r support line will actually help me with Gen 2 related questions. Because there was, there was a time there where the, the last time I had to call Red Hat was like uh, a few months ago. I called them and go like, hey, I can get this thing working on Gen 2. I don't know why I can't get it to work on, work on Red Hat. And, then, and uh, that person was able to go like, okay, so you're using Gen 2. Uh, what, what sources are you pulling from? Like, what, what patches are you pulling from? Are you just using whatever Gen 2 upstream is shipping? I'm like, yeah. And then... And they went down to detail of what the difference between the Gen 2 package and the Red Hat package was. And it was actually kind of impressive that this person knew this right off the top of their head, even though they, they, they work for Red Hat, not Gen 2. I'm all for them being able to charge for support, and I'm glad that they do. My, my entire point was that there are people who won't. Now, yeah, yeah, there are people that want, and there's a reason why people use Linux because it's free, and then they just absolutely refuse to pay for anything. Well, no, it's not. A, okay, that's the whole freeloader argument. There's definitely that component to it, but a lot of this from a corporate standpoint, a lot of the places don't want to pay for support outside of their own IT, uh, you know, IT team. They provide their own support. So they don't need to pay some company to provide them support when they do their own. Okay, that's I mean, maybe it's a smaller por portion than the people who well, are called freeloaders. I guess I mean, in that case, you probably shouldn't be using Rel. Like you know, like I think the whole point of Rel okay. is you're not let's, going to maintain. Let's pause a let, let let's talk about a corollary here. Let's just say that Canonical, which is a similar corporation to Red Hat, not as big, doesn't make nearly as much money. It's not a public company. It's not owned by. IBM. It's just canonical. Eventually, they'll do their IPO, I'm sure. But let's just say they decided to make everything behind closed. You had to sign up uh, to a, a, some kind of terms of service in order to use all of Ubuntu. All of to get it. the source. Yeah, all of it. Would we would we all be 100% okay with that? Because they're a corporate. They make all of their money on support. The, I, mean, I mean, and there are way there are way 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 more derivatives of ubuntu than there are derivatives derivatives of rel okay there's like what three derivative derivatives of rel maybe four there are hundreds of ubuntu derivatives if canonical said you can no longer take our source code and make derivatives of them that, that would kill linux mint that would kill you know zorn it would kill i mean you could just name them off it, it would go on forever and ever i, I mean, mean it's, a, it's all a, canonical at that point would really have to do is just put a paywall behind repositories much like how red hat does it and they would probably kill off all the forks right and we'd all can you imagine people being okay with that 
You couldn't. Well, <laughs> well, no. If it, if it happened, if it happened on the Debian level, that'll be even worse. Right. I, I mean, that, that's that's the whole point of, of of my argument here is that we don't care as much about RAL because it doesn't. It, this is not going to affect as many people. It, it's going to affect the people who use Rocky. It's going to affect the people who use RAL or uh, Alma a little bit if they can't find a way around it, which looks like they can't, right? But if this was on a much bigger scale and Canonical did it, we'd be throwing just as much of a fit, probably even more, and more projects would be thing. Now, the, the difference, now the, the counter-argument to what I just said was that the vast majority of Ubuntu derivatives contribute back to upstream, okay? So they have no, I mean, if, what jo if Josh's argument is true is the reason why they're, they're doing this is because of the contribution, you know, Linux Mint, as much as they hate Ubuntu, seemingly, they contribute upstream, you know, you know, all, all of them contribute back to Ubuntu, just like Ubuntu contributes back to Debian, right? It, it seems to, to that be, seems to be a system that, that works. Why it doesn't work in the RHEL ecosystem, I, I can't tell you. Probably because it has more to do with money than just people well, wanting to use the desktop, right? I, it's I more to do also, with servers and stuff, right? Well, the, yes. And, and also most of the derivatives that are based off of RHEL are fundamentally made to skirt around like the enterprise support. Like that's genuinely like, I, I think that's why the like Ubuntu comparison is oh. fair, just because most of the Ubuntu flavors are just to, set it up for you know to have a out-of-the-box experience for for a different type of user it's not to literally undercut the inter enterprise or the money maker for the company which i mean most so people the reason what you you're saying is Rocky, that uh, what you're saying is that canonical would have a problem if somebody just took ubuntu and made something else and called it was just actually ubuntu but they named it something else well, and, and if if the whole purpose was to get around like they offered support for cheaper or like mo like a lot of the uh discussion or support like discussions that would be going on with their enterprise department is going on like in a community forum then like yeah i think that would make sense like if the if the sold purpose of the derivative is to undermine the like the way the company as a whole can make money like I think that yeah, that's probably a problem. I think like, that the biggest difference between the two is that, and I know how many how many I know how much over the years Canonical has pissed people off. You know whether it's the Amazon links all over the place or the Lib32 stuff or any number of times that they've made really poor decisions. The one thing that Canonical has done way better than Rel ever has has been a community distribution. Right, Rel has never been a community distribution. It's a corporate distribution. It's always been meant for enterprise. It's never had a community-facing component. Not real. I mean, you could, as a community member, you could go use Rel. Rel has other community-facing things like Fedora and you know CentOS when it was around. Right, the actual CentOS. Those are their. That is their community-facing desktop experience for Linux. Whereas Ubuntu is just. You know, it's just Ubuntu. It has a server backend, but th the thing that the community interacts with the most is actually Ubuntu, you know, not the server stuff. And there, it also has always felt to me, and, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong on this, but the canonical developers and stuff like that seem to be out there more than the, the Red Hat guys ever have been. But mostly, I think 
that's just the, a general community thing. And the Red Hat guys were probably just in the, you know, the enterprise aspect of the community, which I, I've never been a part of, right? So it, it just feels like they're not as out there, but they probably are. Uh, I don't know, but this, this, is, <laughs> he, he, this is why I talked about that second blog post that they made. We're going to continue to talk about this as long as Red Hat does, you know? Yep. <laughs> once, <laughs> once they stop talking about it, I mean, Josh is the only one here that actually used or uses RHEL, right? The rest of us, you know, you, I mean, we don't care yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, it's not, it's yeah, not going to it's not going to affect that's, us. That's, no. what, and that's another thing I wanted uh, to say. It doesn't affect a, a lot of people. The, the people who should be pissed are the people who are using uh, uh, something like Alma Linux and Rocky Linux. Uh, those people, they're allowed to, to, to get pissed because this will hinder at, in one way or the other uh, uh, their, their favorite distro. Uh, those are very few people. rest of the people, like us, we use either Arch, Debian, or, or, or OpenSUSE, stuff like that. So we are not affected. That's not, uh, that doesn't affect the desktop Linux realm. It only affects... Uh, the the server realm, the people who use yeah. the well, Linux in the production world, not us users. The, and the, Why are the regular users getting pissed? I don't get it. Well, I, I well, it's because people have gotten so riled up. There's been so much FUD and, oh my God, Red Hat is going closed source, Chris Titus Tech and all this stuff, right? Um, yeah. And I think Even part the of The Linux it, experiment made a, vi a video saying it's disingenuous. Well, I, I, I think next... it, it is definitely a sour mouth that what they did with the community. And honestly, like, uh, I I think I mentioned that last week where it's just like, yeah, Red Hat probably will get the community very upset, upset. because, you know, they, they're removing source code. So and that is a pretty big deal. But uh, is is Red Hat proprietary? No, it's pseudo proprietary. It's uh -huh. not proprietary, because if you look at if you pull down to get the CentOS stream source code, and you look through all those commit messages, you'll see a commit every now and then go like, release for Red Hat this version. In, in, <clears throat> in the Git log. So yes, you can still get the source code for Red Hat. We you never, just can't get it I don't think anybody here to. ever made the argument that it was ever proprietary. It's still, you can, you, no, you, can, you, you can go sign up for a Red Hat account, grab the source code, and then go running away giggling like a squirrel girl if you want to, and still do whatever you want with it. You know, you, know, you can yeah. do that. It's just they've put a, a barrier that was no longer there. But I think the reason why a lot of people are, at least the people who are you know more kind of knowledgeable, why they got upset was because Red Hat has their fingers in so many pies, right? And it's, it's, it feels like a trend of closing things off a little bit. Whereas, yeah. the, you know, it's a little bit, it's just a little worrying because they have their pies and, you know, Pipewire, Wayland, SystemD, all this stuff that they support all those things. But, and, and that was my initial reaction too. I talked about it last week. I, but I don't, after calming down about it a little bit, I don't, I don't think that they're going to, that their support of those projects is going to wane uh, unless, I mean, IBM decides to just, laugh everybody you know what i mean so so i mean a, a lot of the I, I think that the actually the 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 red hat and ibm layoffs actually affect the linux community more because a lot of those developers developed on uh projects that affect the broader yeah. linux ecosystem so that's going to have a much bigger effect than red hat actually taking thing and i think that that was a lot of nick's point was that you know this it has it's going to have some 
carry-on effects. But my last thing on this, and then we have to move on because we're, there's no way we're going to get done in four minutes. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> uh, my last thing on this is, is that if Red Hat had been smart and they were, and money was really the thing that caused this, which it probably was, right? It, it's usually about money. If they'd been smart, they would have come up with a contract or whatever that says, "Hey." Uh, Rocky and Alma, you guys want to continue to exist, continue to get our source, our, our source code is going to be going private in, you know, 90 days or whatever. If you want to continue to do that, give us some money. You know, we're going to start charging you money for that. Perfectly within the realm of, of GPL, because you, you can charge for your source code very, very easily. It says so right in the license. Um, just say, hey, uh, give us a million dollars a year or something, whatever it is, you know, or more, whatever happens, especially, especially if what Josh says is true. Is, is that they have paid tiers. If, if they're actually making money off from other people's works, well, some, pass on some of that money back up back to Rel. That would have been the absolute solution. And I don't think anybody would have cared. Well, Rel and, or uh, Rocky and Elma would have cared. But the rest of us, well, yeah, it's just normal everyday business, right? Anyways, um, let's go ahead. Uh, <laughs> we, we talked about yours that. Now. We talked about that way longer than I thought we were going to. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the tangent cast. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely no, no. That was, I don't think that counts as a tangent. Uh, anyways, um, I will go next. So the Steam Deck is now the number one uh, global top seller on Steam. I don't know how accurate this can be. Now I'm not saying that they haven't sold a lot of Steam Decks. What I'm just saying is that it's the most expensive thing you can buy on Steam, and if that list is based on you know revenue of course it's the most because it's cost six hundred dollars you know what i mean so i don't i don't know exactly how you know maybe they're talking about numbers well if they, if they are talking about actual unit sales then that's impressive um but yeah anyways the steam deck is still selling like hotcakes i, I read that it was out of stock in the uk today because it's been 20 percent off uh, because of the Steam Summer Sale. Also, thank you, Steam, for having Summer Sale and costing me another sixty dollars. Appreciate that. <laughs> I haven't spent the, the dime uh, yet. And and uh, even even though with the uh, ROG Ally, which is directly competing with the Steam Deck, it's the Steam Deck is still beating the ROG Ally because uh, Windows proprietary. <laughs> who is in his Who is crazy enough to go proprietary on on also, a like that when when Linux exists? Also, Steam Deck, the Steam Deck has been kind of in the news a lot more than Ally ever was. The Ally had the review set, and then everybody forgot about it. People continue to talk about the Steam Deck over and over again. When Steam has a sale, the Steam Deck is kind of in the news. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cheaper than the Ally. That's that's one big reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, yeah. What's the when those when the reviews said that it was uh, competing on price with the Steam Deck? I was like, with the upper tier Steam Deck, you can't get the ally for 350 bucks um apparently they're coming out with a lower spec version later on this year um of the ally um i don't know how well that will end up working but anyways yeah and apparently and apparently they're uh, they're working with some company that's helping them create their own spin of uh iso or whatever it's called uh, the steam os or the ally basically a linux distribution for the rog ally Hasn't yep. hasn't Steam said that they're eventually going to release like an ISO of SteamOS that people can yeah. use? We, we have yeah, yet to they see still that. haven't released it yet. Mm. 
But uh, you know, it's it's not that hard to like replicate yourself. I mean, uh, they're not really like doing any unique patches to the kernel or anything because you know the, the, all their patches are in an upstream kernel. It's just uh, that they also was able to replicate it, and so were the uh, yeah Chimera OS people. Oh, no, Chimera OS has been around for longer than Steam OS has. No, I know, yeah, but they it, recently it, recently integrated all the Steam OS. Oh, I see Steam what you mean. Also, before we move on, hi, buddy. How you doing, bud? He's <laughs> <laughs> high as well. He's pretty chill. Have you chewing up, chewing up any uh, headphones lately? There's none left. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to the contact information. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so in any number of ways. You can follow us on uh, Mastodon or, or uh, any number of social media. I, I really effed this up. That's not usually where I start. You can follow follow us. Uh, you can find us. Good Lord, man. Hold on a second. I'm just the gonna... Linux cast. No, no, shut up. Hold on a second. Contact. I got it. Just don't, I don't need your help. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to prove that I can do this. It's good. It's okay. You can find us on the LinuxCast.org. That's the web website. That's where you'll find previous episodes all the way back to season one, along with blog posts and stuff like that. You can find uh, email us at email at the LinuxCast.org, which is the email address. I promise I do read your emails. I, I don't do a very good job of replying. I apologize for that. Uh, I do pass them on when I when there are for other people, which is not very often. Usually it's just people, you know, saying, oh, you guys are idiots. Um <laughs> No, 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 uh, no arguments there. Uh, anyways, you can find us on Mastodon and Odyssey. Those links will be in the video description or in the podcast description. If you want to find us there, you can uh, find Tyler. He's on YouTube. Uh, he doesn't know his password anymore, though. I'm, I'm highly convinced. Uh, YouTube.com slash ZanyOG. We might as well find you another link to share because um, that one, your, your, your dusty YouTube channel is just, know, it's, it's crying, crying for content. Uh, Josh is at tenleyj.com slash stalker. Steve is at youtube.com slash zero Linux, zero with an X, not a Z. Uh, why that's the case, no one actually knows, I'm sure. Uh, and you can find. Zero. Zero. It means I know. Greek. Sure. Zero uh, means I know, so it translates to I know Linux. Lies. Um, <laughs> anyways, you can find uh, all this stuff at the linuxcast.org slash contact. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the, the YouTube channel while you're there, youtube.com slash linuxcast, where we record this live every Saturday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We were way late this week. I apologize for that. That's why we're still going, and it's like 4.30, and I wanted to be done by now, but we're not. We're only halfway through. It's okay. Um, just... Anyways, it's just, I can't do the contact information. I told you guys it was a bad day. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the rest of the news. So, Josh, your second oh, one. Oh, uh, so I have a favorite hardware manufacturer. Now, now that we're done talking about one of my favorite uh, distribution developers, it's called, it's this American company called System76. You might have heard of them before. Uh, you know, they, they used to do some sponsorships with podcast uh, shows and, and other stuff. Uh not nearly as aggressive about the advertising as uh, some other companies, but uh, you know uh, they're no longer making just computers. Uh, they've they've been delving into keyboards for a little while now, and now they have computer cases, including a mini PC case for you, Zany. <laughs> is it made I'm of cardboard? Uh, it is not cardboard. This is actual steel. Well, then it's Arma. not for Tyler. They're they're <laughs> aluminum cases. Yeah, they're aluminum cases. But uh, mm. th they seem pretty cool. There, I. I honestly think that they're more retro inspired than what people think that they are because these cases 
these cases offer what what something that we haven't seen since uh Lucky you know the the, the uh, 90s with a dedicated air duct for the CPU. Also, is that is that a is that a key lock on the front? That could be a key lock on the okay, front. Okay, we haven't had those in quite a while either. <laughs> uh, that, well, actually, that's the power button. Oh, I thought because it, it looked like because you you guys remember those workstations from the past? Yeah. They actually had a key yeah. that you could in, yeah. in order to open yep. up the thing. You had those in school, so you couldn't open the damn things up. <laughs> yep. That said, you know, if I wasn't rack mounting every single computer that I ever owned these days, I would totally buy one of these cases because they actually look pretty darn good. Now, <laughs> let me know if this is just me being like a super mega cheap ass here, but I've hit this point where I refuse to pay $200 for a box of thin steel or aluminum. Like... I'm sorry. Just, well, I, I just won't do it. Okay, here's the thing. System76 is a low-volume manufacturer. So what yeah. you're paying there is not the cost of manufacturing. You're, paying, you're also paying for that engineering work done as well. It's why their because, keyboard costs $300. Yeah, it, it, they can't subsidize, subsidize the cost of engineering and designing those cases. Uh, like they can't off of their other products like like other manufacturers can because you know system 76 is no silverstone where silverstone makes basically anything but uh it, they're they're in, they're in that same category that like lee and lee is or like uh i think they're like the only other dedicated case manufacturer that i can think of but uh <laughs> and uh like how noctua is for like uh cpu or uh well not cpu but just like fans. pc fans yeah uh they're 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 in that same category of of boutique manufacturing so uh you're going to pay a higher price that's just a fact of the day but you know in, in a system like this it's just like yes it is essentially a box i i recognize that it is but uh you know it's not a bad looking box and it's got some cool it's got some thoughtful thoughtful decisions made in like how you're supposed to assemble the computer into the box i would I, have been happier if that front thing had actually been a key hole instead of just a button sorry i mean <laughs> i just joking. funny thing is funny thing is you can actually you can actually go to amazon.com look up pc power button and they have dedicated power buttons that are actually switches that you turn that you engage with. Yeah, the I've seen those. And it's a standard part that that matches into that into that case. Because the wonderful thing about these cases is that is that you can go to System 76's GitHub page. You can find every single measurement to replicate this case yourself. So, th 3D printing. This sounds like a really bad idea, though. <laughs> But you can't. The, the 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 thermals just like why is my computer melting? <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny uh, thing, funny thing is that unless you're like actually connecting that, connecting the uh, actual die of the heat of uh, the the uh, processor or the GPU uh, to the plastic itself, it's not going to melt because plastic is actually actually requires a higher melt temperature. What a lot of people realize. For, for it well, to actually melt into a liquid. And they make filament. It might warp first. They make filament that's meant to be used with high temperatures, so it's not as if it'd be impossible. But that's that stuff's really, really expensive. Um, and and to have an to use enough that would actually be good to, you know, make a PC case, it it costs yeah. you way more than it would to actually go that's buy it. the case. <laughs> that's it. And 
I think Linus Tech Tips made a video about this before, but uh, you know, we're we're reaching the golden age of like the custom built computers because you know uh, these little boxes right here are slowly taking over the world, and uh, you know laptop sales are starting to see a rise again. So it's just like it, if you're going to build a computer, treat yourself a little bit with the case because you know I've built in some cheap cases. I've built in that ten dollar case at the bottom shelf before. Just. Whatever you do, don't buy an NZXT case. Just take it from someone who's who, who has his NZXT case right now. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't buy an NZXT case. It's just NZXT used to be a good co company. Well, I think that they're more modern ones that are more targeted towards airflow are good, but they had this, they went through this phase where everything, so I have the, I think this is the 5H510. I think that's the model. It's completely closed off. There's like 10 holes in the whole thing. Um, <laughs> is that the one that has the, that has the intake fan? That's not an intake fan. Well, no, it, but it's it's got it has a little a little grill at the top, a little grill at the back, and then a strip of holes down the side. Everything else is completely closed off. And while the temperature is not horrible, I'm also not running like a 4090 in it, so I don't got to worry about that too much. But if you if you were actually using like a real graphics card, <laughs> it, it was like it, it, my computer never gets below 50 degrees Celsius ever. Do, Even idle. Do like I do. Do look uh, like I do. Don't put the side panels on. Uh, I I live on a dirt road. <laughs> Immediately dusty. <laughs> I like my solution I, I best. I live in a semi-desert. So I like my solution best. Out. It's called I have three fans in the front of the case that blow at 100% speed 24-7. <laughs> oh, those are the only fans yeah. in the entire case. No. At least mine's not okay. a or, 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 I'm not concerned about noise because my computer's in that room that's sound isolated, so I don't just, have to hear it. Just speaking about fan noise, I will tell you guys one thing. Uh, so I have like my my mini super mini ITX build here, and I had to put four extra forty millimeter fans in there because I'm using a Pico power supply. Which, if you don't know what that is, it's like it's literally a power supply that like it's just as big as the 24 pin slot and it just goes down in there yeah. and you plug it up to like a laptop charger. Um, anyway, I'm using that. And so I need an airflow coming over that because there's, there is no holes or anything on that side. So I had to drill in spots, put in two fans uh, uh, there and two on the other side to keep some kind of airflow going over the APU and the SSD and stuff. Anyway, um, I will say one thing I have, I have finally determined that there is a cheaper fan than a Noctua that is quieter at 40 millimeters. And I have also determined that if you have any leftover, uh, Xbox stuff, um, and you take the fans out of there and they're 40 millimeters, they will be the loudest fans on earth. When my PC boots up, all the fans go at 100%, and it genuinely sounds like a jet engine is turning on. Like, my ears hurt. It's so loud. <laughs> but yeah, I, you brought up fan speed. It made me think about that. So I mean, if, if I open that door right there, uh, I think that I think the sound of all the fans going in that rack, because there's currently five systems in there that are all running their fans at 100% speed. <laughs> <laughs> uh it, you could it's probably pretty noticeable even with the disc, discord sound suppression <laughs> all right steve your second link please we're very lucky sir this is a simple one the two minute one uh so basically more plasma updates towards plasma six 
Uh, and uh, one of those fixes coming in Plasma 527.7 release will be a major performance uh, fix or a, a, a major issue with Intel GPUs that's ca uh, causing animate, uh, issues when animating widgets with background contrast effect turned on. Basically, that's it. And they're updating the uh, updating Kate. And who uses Elisa music? I, I... Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird little thing. Gwenview is uh, is going to uh, support uh, raw image files, uh, and that's about it. Uh, so uh, Intel user only one here in the group. Uh, mm -hmm. You are concerned by this one. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm fine with I'm fine with my graphics stack getting even better. It's already. Yeah. Uh, there's already been message. There's already been some benchmarks that the you know famous YouTubers have compared against the 4060 that show that my cards actually looking like a pretty darn good value. Yeah, and ooh, <laughs> I forgot to mention something about K Runner. K Runner's auto complete will be much much quicker and faster and more accurate on Plasma Six. When is Plasma Six coming? Maybe next year, at some point. But uh, I'm okay with them taking their time, uh, as long as long as they give us more stability. And for me to be able to log into Wayland on NVIDIA without any issues, so I can actually see what Wayland is all about. Sorry, that scoffing in the background that you heard was me scoffing after you saying more stability and KDE. Those two words don't go together. Steve, you know this. No, no. Wait, hold on. There, see, here's, there's see, a way to make KDE stable. Yeah, don't there use is. it. <laughs> it. It's called, use the Debian release that's been out for over a year now. You find, that, right, there's your stable KDE. <laughs> that is true but also one thing that i will say in kde's defense is i have i have heard a lot more kde developers start talking about um you know stability which is a very good thing to hear because i normally don't hear jack shit about that it's Ooh. not about the new features usually i've heard Ooh, them talk about features. delaying the next kde release because of because they want plasma 6 to be stable i think somebody learned after the kde 4 release <laughs> oh, we're seven point releases in already. You're going to get a few more. Okay, Tyler, your second one. Mine is about the uh, Linux 6.4 kernel, um, which I don't, I don't know if everyone knows. I mean, I, I assume since everyone has heard about Rust entering the kernel and all that stuff, you can just assume that more Rust code is pretty much always getting added into the Linux kernel uh, every release. But uh, the big kind of news here is uh, there's going to be some support for the M2 silicon uh, from Apple, which um, I don't really think is that big of a deal. Um, but I guess for a lot of people, uh, it is. I thought... Um, I thought most people who would be interested in Linux would probably just be getting the, you know, like a nice, like a very good condition used M1 chip and just playing around on that. Mainly just because I don't think M2 is really all that big of an upgrade. So I don't think most people should be interested in it. Um, but yeah, so got a lot of support added. Um, the big thing uh, too that like kind of affects um, I mean, it's not a big thing, but it, it affects a lot a lot of people, uh, is the AMD P-State guided autonomous mode. So 
you can kind of look into that. It's, I mean, it's, it's obviously related to AMD, so it might affect you and it might be something nice. Uh, it really just gives you better perfor- uh, performance and power efficiency for specifically Ryzen and Epic CPUs. So that's pretty much it. Good upgrade. Good update. If you own a Mac, just use Mac OS. Stop trying to use Linux on Mac OS. Car, uh, a Chevy is meant to run a Chevy engine, not a Renault engine. I don't know. My Ford Windsor motor runs in my Impala perfectly fine. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the classic I mean, Josh comeback. It also it also well, has spinners. I'm just I'm sure it does. Well, I mean, uh, I've also it, tried a Vahi. Uh, it currently on... doesn't have any wheels on it. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, I I've tried a Vahi Linux, and it is very good. It's just, um, it's Asahi, not Avahi. Oh. I, if there's a Fahi, then there's a Sahi. You you know what I mean, man. It's a, it's a bad Shit. name. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, it's just there are other projects with a very similar name. So. No, no, but it's simply because uh, most all the developers on the Asahi project are uwu based style people. Oh, they had to call it something uwu. Honestly, like uh, this kids these days. Okay, so there's a couple comments here in the chat going like, uh, if you own a Mac, you shouldn't be using Linux anyway. And we're like, yeah, well, there's a there's a certain point you can say that because you know, is, if if you're using a Mac that's older, if you really want to use no, if you really want to use Linux on a Mac, just use it in a VM. Done deal. Well, hold on, because Apple depreciates hardware support too. That Linux doesn't. What what is the last generation of Macs that Apple dropped support for? I'm supposed to know this. My, my, my own Mac, my, the 2016 yeah, Mac yeah. Pro. Now, that Mac is still functional, yes? 100%. Yeah, hardware-wise, ba- Sorry, uh, 80% minus the battery. Yeah, lighted, you're not going to get security patches. But if you still want to use that Mac and still have a secure system, or a system that supposedly gets at least security fixes, Apple's not going to serve that to you. So at that point, you you now have to appreciate the the work that people have put into Linux driver support for that device. No. Tell you why. Why is that? The whole purpose of of a Mac being a Mac is to be used with, uh, in, for, for people that are using iPhones. And I'm using an iPhone. Good luck synchronizing an iPhone and creating a backup of the iPhone on the freaking Linux. Well, what if you didn't have the iPhone? Would you still use Mac OS? If you had an Android, I could see a point. What if you didn't have an Android or an iPhone? Uh, What if you're like me and you're rocking a Pine phone? Well, you and the two other people. (laughs) (laughs) This is a fascinating (laughs) argument, but we need to move on. All right. The the last news item of the day is that Fedora Workstation 39 may feature a brand new installer. Uh, They've been working on a web-based UI installer for quite a while now, and I've actually made a video about this. So it's it's um, it's a better installer than the one that they have, but it's not as changed as you would expect. Anything is better than the Anaconda installer. I've never. I, I know people hate the Anaconda installer, and I did too at first. But once you get the hang of it, it's not horrible. Um, it's actually very intuitive once you actually sit there and take the time to actually look at it. Especially you, if you're using Fedora's Everything Install Media rather than you know the t- the typical ISO provided one. The Everything Installer, the the Everything Install Media 
actually really shows you what the Anaconda installer is capable of. And while, yes, it could be organized better and be, well, be well, designed where do a little they, bit more. Where do they post links to the everything thing? Uh, Getfedora.org alternative downloads is the very first link. Called the everything? It's called everything. Uh, they might also just list it as like the net installer too. Okay. I've never seen that one. Uh, anyways, you, you, guys. You should give it a look. It is literally the best way to install Fedora. It's like hurting cats. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they're they're moving on. They're not gonna. They're gonna be using an Anaconda web UI. And don't think. I've heard some people say like, "Oh no, this thing's going to be like streamed over the internet." And that's not what it means. It just means it's using web technology to code it. Um, I think they're using. I do wonder though if like I might be able to use this for like remotely installing Fedora on another system. Is it using? using uh, is it using React? No, it's using uh, it Patternfly. Is, is what it's using. It's 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 actually a front end for Cockpit that's hooking into Python and Debus to control the the remote it system. It is React, and the, yeah. And the the uh, UI itself is written in React with using the Patternfly library. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, surprised they didn't use Flutter, but I guess Flutter's too Google for them. Um, because Flutter seems to be the new hotness. Um, but any, anyways, uh, I, I'm actually we're, not, we're not as excited about this as a lot of people because. First of all, I know how to use the Anaconda as it is, so it's not horrible, but I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. But the thing that I'm most excited about that they're working on now is DNF5. Because DNF5 is going to be the big shit when it comes out. Because it's going to be very, very fast compared to what you use now. DNF um, with fast dependency resolution. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be fast, mm -hmm. man. It's going to be great. Can you imagine if they made... It, it'd be like Zipper becoming fast. <laughs> you know? <laughs> With better mirror support. Um, anyways, we're gonna be still alive when when DNF uh, DNF five comes People out. People are using DNF five right now in Rawhide. Mm. They're using it. it. It's there. It's it's usable. It's just not. It's just not has been. It's not hasn't been pushed downstream yet. Soon. I, I don't. I would. You can install uh, DNF five. And, you uh, you, you can. I'm just saying it, it comes with Rawhide now. I think. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I would guess that that's probably going to be forty. Not thirty nine, but I could be wrong about that. But it feel I, I used it. It feels close, but there are a few things. There are a few features that are missing. Um, so maybe that maybe a little further behind than I expect them to be. Anyways, DNF five is actually what I'm looking forward to more than the installer. But I know that a lot of people um, really hate the Anaconda installer as it is right now. Um, I, I would just caution those people who hate the Anaconda installer. The new one's not that much different. Um, it's different, but it's not. It's not gonna. It's not revolutionary. I would ask you this, since you tried a beta version of installer, how's the manual partitioning? Is it better than Anaconda, or is Anaconda better? Mm. I think you used an earlier view of it. It, it was quite a while ago, so it's probably been changed, but I vaguely remember being about the same, to be honest with you. Um, I, That's I, what pisses me off about the Anaconda installer when it, when you want to manual, uh, manually okay. partition things. I couldn't understand a word. The reason why like, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't expect them to put a lot of effort in manual partitioning simply because they do not want you to use manual partitioning. That's what ButterFS is for. Okay, you don't use partitions with ButterFS. You use subvolumes. You don't need manual partitions. No, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, they should. It's another thing. It should allow people to use XFS. Uh, <laughs> no, that that right there, never gonna happen. <laughs> okay, ButterFS. I want to use XFS. What, 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 what right do they have to stop me from using ButterFS? Uh, I mean XFS. Well, there you're. You have the right to go use something else. 
<laughs> Butterfest that's is why I created zero Linux. Butterfest is the thing that they've chosen, and that's what they're using. So right, um, so it's. I th actually think it's easier to use non-Butterfest file systems on. In fact, I know it is to use a non-Butterfest on OpenSUSE, and OpenSUSE is like the progenitor of, of Butterfest. So. Um, Fedora is just very attached to the Butterfest workflow, and that's the reason why they're so into the immutable thing. Um, immutable. Hey, uh, here's here's a <laughs> um, here's a scenario with Butterfest. Since you mentioned uh, Butterfest, two second scenario. Uh, imagine you install a lot of packages, like maybe fifty packages a day, because you're a tester or whatever. Uh, if you have Butterfest and the default setting of Rob BTRFS or Napper or whatever uh, enabled, uh, you're gonna end up with a shit ton of snapshots. <laughs> you go into Grub, uh, well, you have a scrolling list until tomorrow. There are literal settings to it. You can Steve, go into. The I know. I'm just saying a regular user. Forget about user knowing how to <laughs> configure anything. Just using out of the box settings. Regular users don't install that many packages. <laughs> Yeah. Excuse me. Regular users install that many packages because they're testing. I want to see what that does, what this does, what that does, what this does, what that there, does, and then they'll end up with a scrolling. There comes a point where where you should be using a development environment virtual machine that you can just roll back to uh, via a virtual machine snapshot, or or alternatively, NixOS, because that's literally what NixOS was was built to address. I'll, I'll, I'll have you. I'll have you know one thing, Josh. I tried to try to create a snapshot of one of my virtual machines that's using zero, zero as a guest OS. Won't allow me. Uh, uh, Vert Manager will not allow me to create a snapshot because it says this virtual machine is not the type it should be. Huh? Well, then make your. You should be using Q QCal images. Do a better You're job of not. making virtual machines, Steve. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I must be doing something wrong. I just don't know why you would set it up to where you're taking snapshots every time you install a package. Well, there's well, a Pac-Man hook for well, you. What you could do is just use ButterFS inside of the virtual machine. There you go. Or, <laughs> Problem or solved. Just, point, good point, or just good when point. you set up ButterFS and Snap, or just set it up so it only takes snapshots. Like, on a timeline? Yeah, like, you know, I, I thought that's how everyone did it. I didn't, well, I didn't okay. realize I was doing something I digress, I digress, I it digress. Just, it it depends, because you, you, can, you can go both ways. You can make it so that it just takes snapshots when you do updates, or you can do it every time that you install package. It really does depend. And also... It, it, it also you, depends on how your your package manager presents hooks, because uh, there, there's... There's a script for Arch Linux in the AUR. It's called Snap Pack Grub that will uh, not only every time Pac-Man finishes the installation up, uh, after Pac-Man downloads all the packages, it'll take a snapshot of the file system, and then after it's done installing all the packages, it'll take another snapshot, and then it'll automatically hook Grub Make Config to generate a new Grub configuration there, file. There's a package for that for Debian as well, yeah. so it's not special. Yeah. The, the, uh, the point I was gonna going to make was that if you know what you're doing, you can go into well, the snapper configuration files and tell exactly how many snapshots to keep. Um, yeah, you can tell you can tell how many to keep, but or, or you can use the one, other, that thing that um, Josh pointed out, Butterfest Assistant. That thing does the exact same. Well, you do the same thing. Yeah. Thing, right? Yeah. That's what's included uh, on Zero Linux. Assistant well, as well as uh, Snapper GUI. Uh, Snapper GUI, I think, can also handle that, but I think ButterF Assistant does a better job overall. It does a better job and is created by the Garuda people. 
Yeah, it's made by Garuda, which Garuda does some fine work. And I just don't. Uh, it, you know, I just don't like the way that their distro looks See, that's about as much as I enjoy looking at Zero Linux at the end of the day. <laughs> but, Ouch. Uh, Burn. On that note, let's yeah. move on to the thingies of the week, fellas. So, uh, Steve, your thingy of the week, please. My thingy uh, of the week. What did I select? I forgot. Uh, Sublime Merge. Sublime Merge. Yes. Sublime Merge. Actually, bought a license. I said, I bought a license. For Sublime Text and Sublime Merge, totaling 88 bucks, special discount because I'm a distro maintainer or something. Uh, Sublime Merge, it's amazing. I've been using it for the past, what, two weeks now? And I've been, ma I'm, I've been maintaining my repositories solely from Sublime Merge. <laughs> I I I'm, I I'm no longer touching uh, the actual files on the hard drive directly. I'm just editing the files in Sublime Merge, save. Push, git pull. It, it's all done in there. And when I want to compare files, I no longer use meld, apparently, because this thing has a differential file comparison thing within it. Like, okay, I didn't know that. So uh, basically, I was, uh, I've been living the past week or two uh, in Sublime Merge because I handle a lot of repositories. Uh, not, I'm not talking about the package repositories. I'm talking about actual script repositories and the build, the, the actual zero Linux build repositories. Uh, I've been doing it all from Sublime Merge. It's very expensive for people. Yeah, who I was try about to say it. it's a hundred dollars. It's a hundred dollars uh, for a regular license or unlimited <laughs> license. Basically, uh, there's only one type of license. It's called unlimited license. Uh, but, I mean, can I ask you a question about that? Is that license in perpetuity, or is that going to be something that you have to pay for again when the next time the major version comes out? I don't know, because I haven't received the major version. But uh, apparently, apparently from what the... From Steve, what the... Steve, you paid 100 bucks for three years. Yeah. So, 33-ish dollars a year? Not... Oh, it's perpetuity? No, that's for three yeah, years. Yeah, you get it for it's three. a three-year subscription. So, in three years, you're going to be charged $99 again. Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> remind me to cancel. You better set a calendar notification to remind you. I, I'm sure. It, I'm sure that they'll send you an email reminding you that it exists. That was the best thing ever. Like remind me to cancel it. <laughs> yeah, like I had to remind myself to ca to cancel the uh, the, the, the the Discord uh, night. Oh yeah, nitro. I ended up because uh, I forgot to cancel Nitro, I ended up paying for for a single month. Don't ever do that. That's just it's just I, bad. I never accepted that free trial sub. Oh, I'm, I, I got the free I got the free trial and then I got charged nine eighty nine. Uh, okay, so I did for... because my entire Discord server at one point was freaking completely obsessed with having icons next to their name. I was like, well. Uh, fine, I'll boost for a couple months or for a month or whatever with the free thing so that people can maintain the icons beside their name. And then I was like, oh, why am I doing this? It's just ten, 10. It'd be different if you got something for $10. Like if you, if you subscribe to Spotify for $10 a month, you get Spotify. With Nitro, you get emojis. Congratulations. You have some. You have and some and some bigger emojis. file sizes. Yeah. yeah, which I don't share files on Discord anyways. That's what we have Google Drive and PCloud for. I pay for okay, those. Okay, okay. Okay, um, I'll give I'll give you another scenario for for people for paying for Nitro. Hmm. Piracy. 
<laughs> they can share bigger files. So uh, that's against TOC. That's a good way to get, lose your... Um, oh, they've yeah. been saying, uh, 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 what's it called? Better Discord is against the TOS, but did they do anything about it? Nah. Yeah. All right, anyways, uh, Josh, your thingy of the week. Well, I better hurry because it sounds like people are, are getting ready to shoot some fireworks here. Uh, so uh, I think I mentioned it earlier in the stream about my uh, frustrations with YouTube Premium. Uh, I have decided to come up with an alternative called YT DLP. Uh, it's so a pretty getting cool demonetized. Yeah, still totally going to get Matt demonetized, which you know that's fine. He probably doesn't earn that much off of these streams anyway. Uh, that that said, uh, you <laughs> should pay for premium if you can, uh, because you know it's it's a way that we can uh, ensure that Matt gets a uh, monetized or you know click that join button. But I also have a join button now, by the way, too. I just want to plug that real quick. But anyways, uh, I I'm specifically using it for this wonderful device right here. This is a Pine phone. There is no YouTube app for the Pine phone. Everything else is just a YouTube client. Uh, Steve, uh, you're, you got some beepers going. But anyways, uh, I, I specifically use this because if I use anything like a tube feeder or a free tube or anything, they try to pull down the 1080p or the 4K sources for YouTube. Uh, this, that makes that, this wonderful Pine phone here struggle quite severely. So my solution is to actually use is to use YTDLP to download the 480p uh, resolution video. That way I can actually watch it on the phone. But, you know, maybe I shouldn't be watching videos on my phone to begin with anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe. Sorry about the beeping, guys. Uh, the power just went out. It's all good. It happens. We, we did go over by a little bit. Um, anyways, Tyler, your thingy of the week. Pulse Audio's echo cancellation module. It's lit. You should all use it. Uh, screw Pipewire's echo cancellation module. It's shit. Uh, it, it, it does not work good at all. Um, I'll just use a pair of headphones. Oh, that's lame. That's lame. I've been <laughs> listening to background music this entire time. Having you guys come out of so the speakers. Yeah, yeah. But like you got a pair of headphones you know, on. I, I, I always wonder why. why the audio that I get is so shit from you guys. Now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you say that don't you say that no no uh when i'm using pipe wire definitely is shit so yeah all right but, uh um, speaking of which i don't think i'll be here next week i think i'm gonna be on vacation so i'm gonna miss you boys i'm gonna miss everyone who's you know chatting and and stuff so you're always I'll on miss all you guys but please try to stay out of trouble never i know it won't happen but all try right. My thingy of the week, just real quick, is Kate. It is a wonderful text editor. And I know people were complaining to me because I called it a text editor in my video, but even they call it a text editor on their website. So don't at, don't at me with that BS. Um, it's an IDE. It has a ton of features. I know some people had some problems with like Rust compatibility and some C++ stuff. I don't know anything about that. The For me, it's probably the best markdown editor that I've tried in a long time. Um, it doesn't do a fantastic job of the font rendering and stuff like that. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Um, what I specifically want is a markdown editor that can handle a file that's like 100,000 words. And it's actually surprisingly hard for a markdown editor these days to handle a huge file like that. I don't know why. Um, Vim ha has always had... I, and I know people are going to say, well, well, I don't have any problem with, with Vim. For whatever reason, there's a plugin somewhere in my system that just does not like that. And I know... Well, get rid of the plugins, Matt. I like my plugins, guys. I don't want to get rid of my plugins. But anyways, um, Kate handled the size of files that I need phenomenally well. Uh, like, buttery smooth. 
um, and it was very very good um, I'm not still using it because I'm on a window manager now again um, but I'm, I'm probably going to install it on my VM here that I've been doing my coding courses in and use that instead of VS Code because uh, I don't really care for VS Code and the, U, the UI of VS Code all that much um, so that's my thing of the week. So that is it for this week. We'll be back next week with more awesome news, more rants. Absolutely no tangents next week. Promise you there will be no tangents. Absolutely not. Be uh, only, there, will, there will only be three. I, I will post my Debian review for next week. Okay. And, we, and we will discuss nothing but Debian because apparently Debian is the cool kid right now. Debian's awesome. We'll talk about it. Anyways, that's uh, it for us. Before I go, I should take a moment to thank my patrons. You can support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash linuxcast. Thanks to everybody who does support me there. Uh, links for uh, YouTube and PayPal will be in the video description as well if you'd rather support me on somewhere, somewhere different. I no longer do LiberaPay, even though technically it still exists. Um, I, I've had some issues with them. We can talk about this some other time. But anyways, thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon. You guys are all awesome. Without you, the channels would not be anywhere near where it is right now, so thank you very much. We record this live every Saturday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time if you want to catch us live. Uh, we have a, a phenomenal time together, guys. We have very much fun, and uh, I, I enjoy my times with you every, every Saturday, uh, even you, Steve. Um, I mean, <laughs> don't you say that <laughs> without without the three of you guys, my Saturdays would be much less. Uh, all right, hey, that's it for us this hey. week. We'll see you guys. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, come come play us. Come come play with Zero AD with us after after the show, and then tomorrow I, we're having a special version, a special episode of Distro Hacking, where we're going to be destroying Trapleton's new post installation install script for Fedora. Have fun with that. <laughs> Anyways, we'll Matt? see you guys next week. <laughs>